Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real, and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. A church alive is worth the drive. <laughs> now I'm in church alive. This is cool. Are you doing good? Yeah. It is so good to be with your pastors. You need to know this is not the Mutual Admiration Society, but we love your pastors. How many think they are just the best? Yeah. Aren't they amazing? Incredible leaders. We met, I remember. We were talking about when we first met. I remember that when you shared some of those. I went, oh, I remember that very, very first time and, and I met you. And I remember thinking after a couple of times, I thought, I really like these guys. They're cool. <laughs> and uh, and it's, it's fascinating because here, here you are, Anthony, an Aussie, pastoring in New Jersey. And I, know, I was born in Queens, New York. <laughs> Don't hold that against me. I know we're in Jersey. <laughs> But my parents saw the light and we moved to Ridgefield Park, Teaneck Road. And I lived on 366 Teaneck Road. And my phone number was 488-7577. Anybody, your parents used to get you to repeat your phone number because they knew they were gonna lose you. Palisades Park, I got lost all the time. So it's so good to be here. My wife is with me, 40 years married last November. 60 years of age, and last Sunday we celebrated our 25th anniversary of pastoring Wave Church. So it's so good to be with you. I want you to do something before you sit down. I want you to turn to the person next to you, look them right in the eye, and say, Seriously? When, now, hang on, hang on, you gotta, you gotta listen, hang on. When you were singing, I thought it was an angel. Just, just turn on. Say, Seriously? I love churches with female bass guitar players. I'm just saying. <laughs> you can be seated. Father, we just come around Your Word today and I ask You to speak to us. I thank You for this great church. I thank You for all that You're doing. And I thank You, Lord, that You have such a bright future for every single person planted in this house. And I pray you speak through me today. I pray we hear from you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Have you ever read that story in the Bible where Jesus gets tired? You ever read that story? It's in John 4. It's one of my favourite stories. By the way, media team, please don't freak out. I know it's not in my notes. I'm, I'm just, sometimes I scare the media team. I, I tend, I can go off track occasionally. I can get distracted. And... Uh, but, you know, Jesus, if you ever read it, it says that they were walking into a town, but Jesus was so tired. This is what it says. Weary from his journey, he sat at the well. And who's ever got to that point where you're so tired, you just go, I can't do another step. I had that yesterday. Yesterday in the gym was leg day. I hate leg day. <laughs> leg day is the most luciferic, demonic. <laughs> I hate leg day. 
Um, well, it was leg day for Jesus. It was, he's done. He's like, and it actually says, if you read it, sometimes the little words in brackets, you gotta really, it goes, the disciples had gone into town to buy food to bring it back to him. So I want you to get the picture. Jesus is like, I'm done. You go get the McDonald's. You bring the Chick-fil-A back to me, right? I can't go another step. And then of course we know the story. This is the story that everybody more knows this sermon based around the woman at the well because Jesus sat at that well and there was a great conversation that actually led her to becoming a believer in Christ. You got it? And if you read it in John chapter four, it says, meanwhile, so the disciples have come back now, okay? It was a Sunday, so Chick-fil-A wasn't open. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so they got, they got the Taco Bell and they, they go, Master, eat. And, and Jesus, now remember when they left him, He's exhausted. It's leg day. He's got nothing in the tank. You ever been there serving God? You ever go, that's it. I'm done. And isn't it interesting, the theme for your church this year is strength, vision. And so Jesus looks at them and they're all confused. They're all going, and Jesus said, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And they're all going, what's he got, a secret stash somewhere? Has he got protein bars? Have you been holding out on us, Jesus? Like, who fed him? This is literally what it said. Who fed him? And they knew that he got his energy back. Well, the only way you're gonna get your energy back is rest and food. Food is energy, at least the right kind of food, not Taco Bell. Okay, so, so they all go, who fed him? And Jesus said something, it's the most, it's the introduction to my message. It's, he says the most challenging thing. He goes, I have meat to eat that you know not of. My meat is to do the will of the Father. What fed Jesus, what got his energy back was talking to someone about himself, continuing. And he goes, my meat, listen to what he said, is to do the will of God. I get tired doing the will of God, but I get strength by even when I'm tired, I keep doing his will. Amen. I don't stop I don't do exit stage left, snagglepuss. I don't do see ya, wouldn't wanna be ya. I keep doing it. So I wanna talk to you today on tiredness and how you manage tiredness. And I wanna show you people in the Bible who encountered tiredness and the whole purpose, the whole point of this message is to help us to be strong. You got it? So I'm not trying to say if you're tired, stay tired. You, I'm, I'm trying to get you past there. And I'm trying to talk to you about how you handle it because how you handle it will determine how effective you are in life. Because we're all gonna get tired. Amen. We're all gonna get tired for sure. Not today, but tomorrow. 
And I wanna talk to you about it. And there's a guy in the Bible who I think is the greatest example of what this looks like. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter, let's have a look, 16. No, Judges 16, not 1 Samuel. Judges 16, it says, One day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. How many know that's not a good start right there? (laughs) And he went in and he spent the night with her. It just got a whole lot worse with one little sentence. And the people of Gaza were told, Samson's here. So they surrounded the place and they laid in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move during the night saying, at dawn, we'll kill him. But Samson laid there only till the middle of the night. Then he got up and took a hold of the doors of the city gate. I wonder if you can picture this. And, and the two posts. And he lifted them up, bar and all, on his shoulders. He carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Everybody say Delilah. Delilah, uh, Delilah was delightful. She was mighty fine. He walked up to her and said, hello, Delilah. My name's Will. God's will. (laughs) Some of you guys are going to use that. (laughs) And the rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength, how we can overpower him. Keep in mind, the guy just lifted up the city gates, tore them out of the ground. He killed a thousand men with the jawbone of an ass. This guy's strong. Matter of fact, the Bible says he was the strongest man in all the world. You got it? So, and we gotta, the only way we can get him is if we can take away his strength. So see, Delilah, if you can figure out how you can get him to tell us the secret so we can take away his strength. And I wanna tell you, the enemy would love to take away your strength. And if he went after Samson, he's coming after us. And so Delilah, of course, each one will give us, give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, you know that girl, you know that voice girls you can have? Tell me the secret, Sammy boy. <laughs> Tell me the secret of your great strength. How can you be tied up and subdued? So Samson answered her, well, if anyone ties me up with seven fresh, fresh bowstrings that haven't been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. So Delilah tells the rulers of the Philistines, they brought Ben seven fresh bowstrings that have never been dried. She tied him up with them, with the men hidden in the room. She calls out, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the bowstrings as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. So then Delilah said to Samson, you've made a fool of me. You've embarrassed me. (laughs) You lied to me. Come now, tell me, how can you be tied? He said, well, if anyone ties me securely with new ropes and they've never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. 
So Delilah took the new robes and tied him with them and the men hid in the room. She called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the robes off his arms as if they were friends. So then Delilah then said to Samson, all this time you've been making a fool of me and you're lying to me. Tell me, how can you be tied? How many are beginning to wonder, when is the brother gonna get a clue? Well, if you weed seven braids of my head into a fabric on the loom and tied it with the pen, I will become as weak as any other man. So while he was sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids on his head, wove them in the fabric, tightened with the pen. And again, she called out, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. The Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep, pulled up the pen of the loom and the fabric. And then she said to him, how can you say you love me? when you won't share the most intimate secrets. You won't confide in me. You won't tell me the secret of your strength. Look at verse 16. With such nagging. (laughs) I want you to look at it there. Strongest man in all the world. (laughs) Bible doesn't waste words. With such nagging, she nagged him. She prodded him day after day with such nagging day after day after day. Tell me this, oh, Samson, tell me. Nagging, (laughs) nagging. How many are getting sick of me just talking about the nagging? Watch, watch. Until he, the strongest man in all the world, was sick to death. (laughs) The man who killed a thousand men with a jawbone of an ass is dying. Sick to death. (laughs) I've lost all the girls. I feel like every woman in the room is looking at me with daggers. Get off this point. Anthony, the men are loving it. I wanna get the girls back. I gotta get you back. Okay, so my, my wife, taught me something that I never discovered. She actually said, Steve, have you, when you read the Bible and you study foolishness, did you ever notice that every time when it identifies foolishness, it's always described as a he? <laughs> I looked it up. The fool have said in his heart, there is no God. A fool shows his annoyance at once. Dang it, she's right. And then she goes, have you ever noticed when you look up wisdom, in Scripture. Got them back. You're back. It's always a she. 
Say to wisdom, thou art my sister. Tie her around your neck. She, wisdom, is more precious than rubies. She is more valuable than gold. So according to the Bible, according to my wife, wisdom is a she, foolishness is a he, but it gets worse. She then told me, physiologically speaking, in the earliest gestation period of a conception of a child, that the sex of every baby at first is always female. Yeah, a lot of people understand that, okay? But when the only thing that determines that it's a boy is when something happens. When one side of the brain sends all this testosterone to the other side of the brain and it kills millions of brain cells. <laughs> True story. Then, and only then, is it a boy. I've lost the brothers now. I gotta get the brothers back. So girls, when you look at us and we look like we're deep in thought, and you say, what are you thinking? And we say, nothing. No, really, we can do that. Oh, girls, when, you, when we do something so dumb, so stupid, and you go, how could you be so dumb? because we were born brain damaged. Come on, guys. With such nagging. Have you got the point? Strongest man in all the world was sick to death. I mean, dying. The Bible's not wasting words. And look what the Bible says. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I'm a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. Now Delilah knew that he had told her everything. And she sent word back to the Philistines. Come back one more time. He's told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with silver in their hands. And after putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him. And his strength left him. Saddest verse in all the Bible, he didn't know his strength left him. And then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he awoke from his sleep and he thought, I will go out and shake myself free. But he did not know the Lord had left him. And the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes, took him down the Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles and set him on the grinding grain in the prison. And the hair on his head began to grow back again. She nagged him until she was sick to death, until he was sick to death. What's nagging you? What's, what's nagging you? He was exhausted. And in that moment of exhaustion, he told her everything. Cost him his strength, cost him his vision. Didn't know God left him. What's nagging you? I wanna talk to you about how to handle tiredness. Because I actually believe when I study this, and I've studied this fairly thoroughly, 
that actually what Samson had was a tired soul. She got to him. He finally went, all right, I'll tell you everything. He just got tired of the nagging and gave away the secret of his life, the secret of his strength. And here's the first thing I want to say to you. When your soul gets tired, you give away the secret of your life. You know, maybe in a marriage, it's just a bit tough right now. And you find yourself more relating to somebody at work than you do your spouse. You start confiding in the wrong person. And you start giving away the secrets of your life that should only be between you and your spouse. Maybe that can happen in a gym. Maybe your soul is just getting tired and you give away the very essence of what it is that God has made you. I think about a guy who got tired like that. His name's David. 2 Samuel 11, look at this. It says, I love this, at springtime. So what time was it? So it's springtime. What's springtime? Spring is the birth of new flowers. It's it's wonderful time after winter, isn't it? Don't you love it seeing everything start coming into bloom? You know, times they are a changing. The sun is coming out and actually has this thing called heat attached to it. Isn't it a wonderful thing? Springtime. So it's not it's not winter. It's not it's not fall. It's not summer. It's springtime. Now, what time is springtime? At the time when kings go off to war. There's times when kings don't go to war, but this is springtime. This is the time when kings go to war. You got it? And, And David is the king. And the Bible says, David sent Joab out with the king's men, with the whole Israelite army. And it says they destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but but David remained in Jerusalem. What time is it? It's time kings go to war. What did David do? I think I'll just chill. I think I'll just delegate this war. But he's a king. He's a warrior. He's a conqueror. It's his time. This is not one that he delegates. This is not one he sends the two I see. This is him. And he's a conqueror. So he's in Jerusalem, but he's got this warfare spirit. It's springtime. He's got to conquer something. And he's walking around the palace and he's looking out and he sees this beautiful woman in a bath, naked. Who's that? That's Bathsheba. She's married to Uriah. Bring her to me. He's got to conquer something. When you get tired, you give away the secret of your life. I want to say to you, keep fighting for your marriage. Keep fighting for your kids. Come on, keep fighting for that home that you're believing God for. God, we need you strong. 
And I want to talk to you, when your soul gets tired, if you're not careful, you could end up sitting out the war that God called you to fight. There are some phone calls only you're supposed to make. There are some text messages only you're supposed to answer. There are some emails and some conversations that only you should have. You can't get someone else to do it for you. Am I talking to anybody? Number two, when your soul gets tired, you're vulnerable. (laughs) Other people try to unsettle you. Samson's weakness was a tired soul. And with that tired soul, he was nagged till he was sick to death and he finally just went, I'm done, I'll tell you. And you get vulnerable, isn't that true? Let's think about other people in the Bible who didn't handle tiredness well. I see about this guy called Elijah. Elijah, 1 Kings chapter 19. He's, he, by the way, if you don't know about Elijah, he's one of my favorite people in the Bible. He's the man, like he is the man. I've preached more sermons on Elijah as a young preacher than any person in the Bible. Elijah outcooked Jezebel at the barbecue. He was Iron Chef. He was Heaven's Kitchen before Hell's Kitchen. He, no, seriously, this is what he said. He goes, you, you prophets of Baal, you get your, you know, your bull and I'll get my bull. He goes, and we'll both cut the bull Cut the bull. <laughs> and, the, and, we'll, and we'll pray to God. You pray to yours, I'll pray to mine. The one that answers by fire, he's God. And of course, lightning comes down from heaven, just, just devours everything. And Elijah has this national revival. The whole Israel comes back to God. He puts to death 450 prophets of Baal. Right? What would you do if that was you? I'd be ringing CNN, <laughs> wouldn't you? I, I, I'd be on Instagram, I'd be on X, I'd be TikToking, <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be going, national revival! The whole nation comes back to God. I prayed, fire came, they all died. <laughs> you got it? And one woman, her name is Jezebel. You would think he'd be going, I am so the man. (laughs) One woman in the middle of a national revival is ticked off at him. Jezebel, married to the king. And she goes, you'll be dead within 24 hours. With all this revival, how did God's man of faith and power respond? Look what the Bible says. He himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and he came and he sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die. It's now, it's enough now, Lord. Take away my life. I'm no better than my father. You know what he's doing? Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. Think I'll go eat once. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. He's depressed. He's suicidal. Kill me. He just had revival. But he's tired. And one person said one negative thing. And he's going, God, please kill me. You know, the Christian pseudo-suicide prayer. Do you know what it is? 
Oh Lord, come quickly. Some of you will get that a bit later. And he says, I'm the only one. You start thinking, nobody knows the problems I have. When your soul gets tired, you start thinking you're the only one. Okay, number three. Is this, is this helping anybody? Yeah. All right, number, nah, I just saw how much time I have. Number three, when your soul gets tired, you undervalue what you have. Isn't that true? You walk into a church like this, my gosh, this place is impressive, isn't it? Isn't it? And what you're going to, a whole new season. But when your soul gets tired, you actually undervalue what you have. You first walk in here, you go, my gosh, listen to the music. Look at the LED screen, the lights, the atmosphere. They look after our kids. Get out of here. They got programs to help me with my finances and my health. They got like connect groups. And oh my gosh, the pastors are amazing. That Australian accent is a little extra anointed. <laughs> Amen. And, and you, you get every service, you were speaking just to me. But you come here long enough if you're not careful. You get a tired soul. You're gonna undervalue what you have. Sound was a bit loud today. Lights were a bit too bright. Don't think pastor was his A-game sermon today. Go pick your kids up and they're not ready. Where are my kids? Somebody sat in my seat. <laughs> I used to serve in that leadership role, but I don't anymore. Johnny come lately, come along, I got that role. And if you're not careful, you stop appreciating what God's given you. Yeah. I thought about somebody like that in the Bible. Who? didn't handle tiredness well. And I thought about this guy called Esau. You ever heard of Esau? It says in Genesis uh, 25, it says, one day Jacob was cooking some stew and Esau came in from the open country famished. He's starving. Have you got it? And he said to Jacob, this is his brother, crack, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. And Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is my birthright to me? Now, let me describe to you Jacob and Esau. Let's start with Esau. Esau is kind of my kind of guy. He's the outdoor man. He's the hunter. He's the one that says, Dad, I'll get the food. I'll bring back the kill. Arr, arr, arr. And he goes out. He's done this before. He likes hunting. Matter of fact, the Bible says that when that whole time when he was, the father was being tricked into pronouncing a blessing on the wrong son, that the mother said that he'll know it's not Esau because, because Esau's got hairy arms and he smells like the outdoors. Esau, he's a man's man. He's outdoors. He's a hunter. Jacob. How do I describe Jacob? Well, Jacob moisturizes. (laughs) 
Jacob's inside with mum cooking. Mum said, your skin is soft and silky. He'll never think it's Esau. Everything I'm telling you is Bible. Right? He's, He's a cook. And Esau, who was the firstborn son, the son that gets more blessing, more from the father, because of the responsibility given to the firstborn son, financially has greater gain. And Jacob wanted that. And Esau gave his birthright away for a bowl of soup. He couldn't think past lunch. He undervalued what he had. Don't undervalue your marriage. Don't undervalue your health. Don't undervalue your spouse. Look at me. Don't undervalue your job. Have people come and say, Pastor, I hate my job. You mean this is the job that was an answer to prayer two years ago that you got? That job. Come on, turn to the person next to you and say, look, he's not talking to us, it's someone else. (laughs) Helping anybody? All right, number four. When your soul gets tired, oh, this one's so true, you underestimate the impact of your decisions. Isn't that true? What good's my birthright? Well, Hebrew says he was worse than an infidel for despising his birthright. Samson said, I'm gonna tell you, but little did he know it would cost him his strength and his vision. When you get a tired soul, you underestimate the impact I'm leaving my wife. I had a guy come up and he goes, Pastor, I'm leaving my wife. I said, what's up, man? What's going on? He goes, well, don't get me wrong. She's a good woman. <laughs> That's good. I said, well, what's, what's the problem? Well, you know, hmm, you know, in the bedroom, it's just not there like it used to be. I said, really? I said, well, talk to me. He goes, well, she's a good cook. She keeps a clean house. She makes me lunch every day. She gets the kids off to school. She's a good woman. I said, buddy, she's a good cook. She cleans, she makes your lunch. That sounds like your mother. You've turned your wife into your mother. No wonder it's not happening in the bedroom anymore. I don't want that thought going through my mind in my bedroom. you underestimate the impact of your decision. I'm leaving my job. I'm leaving the church. Church is full of hypocrites. Mm -hmm. And there's room for you. (laughs) You actually underestimate the impact of your decision. I want to encourage you. We need you strong. We need you at the well to have a rest, but we need you to keep doing the will of God and you'll have meat to eat that people know not of. Can anybody say amen? Amen. All right, number five. When your soul gets tired, you don't think right. Isn't that true? Your thinking's all skewed. You think putting up with divorce would be better than living in this marriage rather than figuring out how you fight for the marriage. Isn't that true? You think to yourself, well, I'm not appreciating this job. I'm leaving. 
So you leave, and then right after you leave, the opportunity for a promotion comes up, and you now missed it. You, you don't think right. Amen? That's why we need friends. And number six, when your soul gets tired, listen to this, you lose your vision. What was the thing they took from Samson after they got his strength? His sight. Let me tell you why the enemy is after your strength. He wants to take your vision. That vision for your family, that vision for your ministry, that vision for what God's called you to do, the vision for this house. He's after your vision, but he can never take away your vision till he takes away your strength. You catching this? Amen. You see, I actually believe that his vision guided his strength. And his strength guarded his vision. Did you catch that? We need you strong. We're gonna get tired. We get back up and we go again. Because my meat is to do the will of the Father. I have food to eat that you know not of. Can you say amen? Just a simple thought on handling tiredness well. You're about to go into a new season in this church, a new facility. And I wanna encourage you, we need you. This is a great church, I can tell. You got great pastors. It's not a perfect church. Somebody say amen. The moment you joined it, it was no longer perfect. I wanna pray for people today. If you don't yet know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, I don't know who brought you to church this morning. I don't know how you came. Maybe a friend invited you. Maybe you saw the sign, Church Alive. Let's go check that place out. Maybe you're lonely. Maybe you're tired. Isn't it amazing that God would bring you into His house today? And I wanna pray for you. And I'm just gonna ask everybody in a moment just to be in prayer. Not yet, look at me now. Not yet. Yeah, you won't. We will in a moment close our eyes and we'll bow our heads. But first, I want you to look at me. I'd love to pray for you. That if you've never given Jesus your life, I'd love to pray with you and for you today. That you would know forgiveness of sins. That you would know Jesus, the Bible says, is the bread of life. He is food. And when you eat of Him, you'll never be hungry. You'll never be thirsty again. If you don't know Jesus, you're not yet a Christian and you want me to pray for you. When we pray, I'm gonna ask you to do one simple thing. Look at me now. Just take your hand and just put it in the air. That's all. I'm not gonna ask you to stand up. I'm not gonna ask you to come to the front. Just where you're seated. I'm gonna pray for you. Is that okay? You believe in Whitby Church? Can we all close our eyes? Can we bow our heads? And friend, if I'm talking to you already, when I ask that, people raise their hands. If you say, Steve, pray for me. I wanna give my life to Jesus. I wanna get right with God. Just lift your hand right now, that's it. 
Lift it. God bless you. 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 Every one of these is someone lifting their hand. God bless you. All over this auditorium. Church, let's give a lot of hand for every single person. Come on. Amen. I said I was going to pray for you, but why don't we do it together? Why doesn't everybody out loud say this? Say, Lord Jesus, I ask You today to come into my life to forgive me of my sins. I receive You now as my Lord and Saviour. In Jesus' Name, I am now a Christian. Amen. Church Alive, I love you. God bless you.